Hey everybody, welcome to Prescott Valley Bible Church, Wednesday Night Oasis. Uh, today is February, February 10th, February 10th, 2021. Man, February's starting to fly by, January's gone. Boy, before long it'll be Easter, right, in April, right? So I uh, hope all is well with everyone. We are in part five of a series titled Dumb Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. And we've we followed kind of a little, um, oh, I don't know, a, a little model uh, of how we're doing this. We talk about the background and what then what the mistake is, and then God's principle concerning that mistake, and then the outcome of what's happened. And so that's what we've been talking about in this series. Um, so here's what we've come up with so far on the on the mistakes, uh, dumb mistakes. Uh, dumb mistake number one was a failure to fear, fear God. Uh, number two uh, was uh, a few drinks never hurt anyone. Have you ever heard that said before? Uh, number three, uh, mistaking lust for love. People do that all the time. and It's not a new story. It's happened from the beginning of time. Um, and then number four, was trying to find safety in numbers. Now, tonight's message is almost a continuation of last week's message, but it's different. It's really different. Uh, we looked at Samson, David, Benadad, and today's main character is known as a, is more of a group of people, a group of people, and it's talked about in, in uh, John chapter 12, John chapter 12. So if you're if you're uh, studying along with your Bible, you might want to get that out and get ready in John chapter 12. Otherwise, um, uh, I'll read them and we'll, we'll just go from there, okay, and go through that. But before we jump into this uh, dumb mistake number five, why don't we pray? Well, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. And we pray, Lord, as the message is delivered, that you speak to each one of our hearts concerning our own lives today that we can learn from past of others, the past experiences of those in the Bible, but we also can apply those things to our lives. And so, Lord, uh, be with us now and guide us and, and show us in, these message, in this message today, Lord, what it means for me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Dumb mistake number five is something that uh, people deal with all the time. It's peer pressure, peer pressure. It comes in groups, you know, uh, there, there's a psychology associated to it. And uh, we're gonna see today that this is not something that is just really known in our world today. It's something that took place in biblical days, and it's happened ever since. Uh, and so um, sometimes what we find is that rather than um, people focusing on the truth, they're focusing on what's popular. And so um, we're called to really talk about the truth more than what's popular. And, and God is watching, and he's wanting us to be people of the truth that speak the gospel, the word of God and what he says. Tonight in John 
chapter 12. We're going to start off with verse 20. And let's look at verse 20 through 22. Here's what it says. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from um, Beth Beth Galilee, with the uh, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Now, I, I'm not sure, you know, when I read that, and I go, well, there must have been some kind of pecking order within the disciples because here Philip went to tell Andrew instead of going directly to Jesus. And I'm not sure why that is because I, we don't really study that um, there were different uh, levels of, uh, of, you know, um, disciples, that they were equally, you know, disciples. But uh, why Philip decided to go to Andrew and then both of them went to Jesus, but, but maybe there was some kind of order within the disciples, but we don't really know that biblically, and so we're not going to say that. So um, in any way you look at it, the people that wanted to see Jesus didn't feel comfortable in going to him themselves. And so they went to the disciples, uh, and Philip, and Philip went with Andrew, and then they went to Jesus. Um, it's interesting to see this. Um, here's what's happening. Um, this is late now in Jesus's life. And even though it's written early in John's gospel, Jesus's public ministry is coming to, a, to an end shortly. It's about to come to an end. Um, Jesus has come to Jerusalem, and it's the Passovers are going on. There are about three million people there, and um, they assume that they would um, kill about twenty-five thousand lambs as sacrifices. Can you imagine that? They all came to to do this sacrifice, and they would sacrifice lambs. How would you like to be a priest during those days and uh, killing all those lambs? And, and in, the, in the temples, they actually had drains on the floor where the blood of the lamb would flow down into these drains and, and, and that kind of thing. Thank goodness they don't do that anymore. So Jesus comes in and the, and the crowd goes wild. Hosanna, Hosanna, they're, they're shouting God on the highest, right? He's, uh, Jesus has performed miracles. His popularity is really high. This is Jesus' all-time high popularity, although it just lasts for uh, just a short time, maybe a week, you know, about a week. So uh, the people want to see Jesus, and Jesus wants the people to know that this is late in the game for us to do this because the hour has come that the Son of Man would be glorified, to be glorified. So uh, I want you to get this at John chapter 12, verse 20. The hour has come. That's what they're saying, right? 
Earlier in John chapter 2, verse 4, Jesus tells his mother, the, the hour has not yet come for me to be known. So between John chapter 2 and John chapter 12, a series of things happened because from Jesus not wanting to be known yet to Jesus, it's time to be known was not really a long period of time in the in the Bible anyway I mean it's it's uh, so something has happened there because um, Jesus wasn't ready at first God wasn't ready at first and now God's timing is ready isn't it interesting that sometimes that our timing is a little bit off that we think that we're um, on and what's wrong with you God get with it get on the program you know what I'm saying um, but God's timing is different than our timing John chapter 20 verse 30 through 31 um, it talks about this uh, John wrote the gospel and he tells something in John chapter 20 verse 31 um, and he says it for a specific reason so often people say, um, read John's gospel. And they say that because John tells us, here is the life of Christ. And he's done much more than that. He, uh, I'm telling you these things so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's telling them that in his writings and by believing in him you will have eternal life and so you can see there that John is really plotting out for us the life of Jesus and what it means now that's why people want to begin by reading that gospel the book of John and anybody asks you that uh, tell them to start there because that is a that's a good book for that John chapter 20 verse 30 and 31 Jesus performed many other signs and and in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name John has also written 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and the book of Revelations. So in these, in these five books that we look at from John, John uses words of testimony. And he testifies 75 times in these books. He's really building a case for Christ. He's, he's coming to the people and Jesus says the hour has come. Jesus says whatever's going to happen, whether you understand it or not, it's happening now. <coughs> Look at what it says in John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is Jesus' favorite description, description of himself. And what he's implying is that not that he is 
lesser than God, but that he is God who has come in the flesh. He comes for a specific purpose, to save his people. Then Jesus says this in verses 24 and 25. This is in John chapter 12. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternity, eternal life. See, this is in all the, the, the context of the hour has come. It's, it's happening now, and Jesus must die. He's preparing the disciples. He's been doing that because if you put yourself in their shoes, you realize that um, they don't really know the end of the story. They don't know what's going to happen. Everything is playing out as they're living. You and I, we get to look back and we get to see. We could read the end and start backwards. You know what I mean? They cannot do that. So there's a whole bunch of time when Jesus is explaining things to the disciples and they're saying, um, sorry, we don't get it. I don't get what you're trying to say. So uh, along this journey, they are together. Jesus shifts from the hour has not come yet to the hour has come. When this happens, the Son of Man must die and he says this um, at that time. He says this. Jesus continues this topic, and he turns his discussion towards service. Here's what he says. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it. Then Jesus says this in verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servants also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus now begins talking about following him. And he says, I'm going to the cross. Follow me there. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 and 13. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Wow. Uh, I don't think I want to read that verse anymore. How about you? Because this is saying that anyone who serves him will be persecuted. I mean, I thought that being a Christ follower meant my troubles were over forever, that there will never be any trouble, there will never be any persecution, that people will just love me. And uh, what am I missing here? Uh, you're missing what the Bible says. That's why. See, there's a big problem here in this in, 
in Christ in the world of, of uh, Christians that um, suffering is part of the process. See, they are often told by peach by by preachers or by people um, who support their preaching of the gospel. Uh, if you're sick, well, you haven't prayed hard enough. Has anybody ever said that to you? If you're sick, you haven't prayed hard enough. Or your faith is just not strong enough. I'm sorry to tell you that. Or you're being punished for generational curses that are on you. Baloney. I had baloney for lunch today. Baloney. Uh, I'll tell you that life without trouble is not the life that Jesus promises us. It just isn't. And to say to somebody, you know, if you would have had more faith, you would never have had cancer. You never would be financially in trouble. You would never have had any issues in your life. And I know that there are some that preach that. And uh, all I can say is very shortly, or, or, or all I can say is shame on you. Because you're creating a group of people who want to believe, who quickly will find out that this life is full of trouble, and you're going to make them feel like, I didn't get saved. I'm not right with God. That there's something wrong with me because I have trouble who entered my life. I want you to specifically listen to Sunday morning's message because we're going to be talking about pruning, how God is pruning um, his people. And you're going to learn something in there that's going to really blow your mind if you are going down the path where you think, um, if I'm following God completely, or if I'm strong enough in my faith that troubles are not coming my way, well, you're going to, you're going to really dislike me after that message. So here's what it says, because I, I want to get back to it. Um, it's in John 12, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for, for this very reason I came to this hour. This word troubled means anxiety. I'm anxious about this. I have a deep concern about this. We see Jesus as, as under as much pressure in the garden as anybody has ever been under pressure because we read where he is actually sweating blood. Uh, it's really clear that Jesus understands that the cross is going to be a very difficult thing to endure. It's not going to be something that he's going to go through and he's, the pain is going to be removed from him because he's doing it for God. 
No, he, he, he knows this is going to be very painful. We also see that Jesus understands that, that if he doesn't go to the cross, there's no salvation for his people. Now this is trouble for some people. Because when the question is asked, could God have had a, a different way to be saved or to save his people? Um, is there another way? If it, if it wasn't, did he have to go through Jesus? And they say, well, yes, God is God. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do anything. Well, God can't sin. So can he do anything? No, he can't sin. See, I, I, I guess I'm not saying this clearly, so let me say this clearly. Jesus, who was without sin, although was really looking for a plan B as to how to, for people to be saved without doing crucifying him, understands that the only way to salvation is through Jesus' death on the cross. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42, it says this, Father, this is Jesus speaking, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. In other words, Jesus is saying, I know that uh, I am plan A for salvation, but if there's a plan B, let's do that. You get what I'm saying? Uh, here's what we know. Sin produces judgment and wrath. Wrath has to be satisfied to be redeemed. So it is required, uh, it, it requires a sacrifice and it needs to be a perfect sacrifice. The only perfect sacrifice was Jesus. Jesus understood this. He knew it completely. Uh, we're going to talk more about this on Easter when that approaches. But look at what it says about Jesus in Isaiah 53, 3. This is the New King James Version. Here's what it says. He is despised and rejected by man, and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but do you remember reading anywhere in the Bible of Jesus smiling and laughing? Now, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have joy in his life. But it, it just doesn't seem that I can find those words anywhere where Jesus smiled or he laughed. You know he had to have those moments. So here's the point. Jesus never forgot why he was here. He never forgot what his mission was. I'm sure he had fun at times, and I'm sure that he was approachable. We know this because we see children approaching him all the time. 
and ch children are a good uh, a good judge of someone being approachable. They would never go near anybody who wasn't approachable. So they would come near him. So he was an approachable person. Um, uh, the point is that even in his celebrations, his purpose for being is in the forefront of his mind. There's an encounter in the Bible I want to look at. Um, now, crowds come to see Jesus. They hear an angel, which is a voice from heaven, and it comes to us in verse thir uh, 28. Verse 28, I think. Verse 28. Here's what it is. Here's what he says. Uh, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoke to him. Then Jesus said this in verse 30. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. See, Jesus did so many miracles for the purpose of showing who God is. In John chapter 9, there was a discussion about the, a blind man. And the question was, why is this guy blind? It, was it his parents' fault or what was the deal about this? I mean, or was it his own sin that made him blind? And Jesus had an answer for them. I'm not sure if they really got it or not. It came to us in John chapter 9, verse 3. It says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, am I saying that God caused that? No, I, I don't know about that. But I do know that he used it to show the power of God at work in this guy's life. It, John 12, verses 31 and 32. Now it is time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Here he's talking about the death he will have. He's going to start talking about that. In John chapter 12, verse 34, we see something quite interesting. Here's what happens. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Now, the people were looking for a Savior. Uh, Someone they could put their trust in. And it happens today. People are looking for a savior. They're looking for someone uh, that they can put their trust in. People are looking for um, a political savior or a leader they could put their trust in. 
And I want you to hear me say this. If you put your trust in man, you will be disappointed. Friends in our lives, listen. You can't put your trust in man. The only one we can put our trust in is God alone. And I think from, for some of you, this might hit home a little bit. Because our world is in turmoil with pandemics, with financial troubles, with all of the stuff that's going on in our world. And people are turning to whoever will talk and say whatever uh, their stupid thoughts are. And we want to believe that. Uh, but the one we should be turning to is Christ alone. John 12, verses 35 and 36. Then Jesus told them, are, are you going to have the light just a little while longer? He says, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. However, walks in the, uh, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. It says this in verse 36. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. What is that all about? They hear what Jesus said, and they're saying, uh, we don't get this. Jesus left and hid himself from them. Verse 37, let's continue. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Do you think that that's a, something that happens today? Listen, there are things that happen in people's lives that it can only be from God. That God is the only way that it could happen because you cannot point to anybody or anything that will allow that to happen. And even though they see that, they want to see more miracles, and they still don't believe. People stood together against Jesus, even after having evidence of who he is. That's mistake number five. People stood together against Jesus, even after having evidence of who he is. You see... This peer pressure, this people, we don't, we're standing together strong because we don't believe in that. We don't, uh, but Jesus is not made in my image. So I don't believe in him. Instead of us being made in the image of God. You see, these people are keeping together in fear. And it's not the fear of God. I'm, I'm so taken back 
um, by a world that now looks at the news. The news, there are so many news programs, I can tell you this, that if you wanted news, you could see it 24 hours a day. And some do see that. And let me tell you something. I'm, I believe, and this is my opinion. I'm sitting in my chair. This is my opinion. The news wants to keep you fearful. Because if you're afraid, you're going to tune in next time to see what the latest is. What's going to happen next? The news today uh, speaks half-truths. And they could, they could make it look however they want it to look. And it's, it's a sad thing because uh, we find ourselves in a place where you don't know what to believe anymore. So Jesus is here. He's performing miracles. He's speaking God's word. And he does it, and then he leaves, and he goes, and he hides. And now in John chapter 12, verse 40, it continues. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see nor with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn, and I would heal them. Who's he talking about? Who are they fixing their eyes on? They're not fixing their eyes on God. You see, they just want to see another miracle. Are you sure? Their eyes are blinded and their hearts are hardened. That's the problem. That's what we see today. We have a world that's hearts are hardened. God says that these people at this point I'm just going to leave them like that. They're just going to, you know, I'm going to, I've told them, they've seen, I'm going to um, dust off my feet and keep on going. I'm just going to keep on going because they don't get it and they're not going to get it. The only way these people are going to believe is because God changes their hearts. You have to know that, and that helps with a tremendous amount of frustration. Because uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think it's up to me to conform people to, to Christ, to, to lead them to him. And I'm here to just speak the truth, and God is the one that changes their hearts. God is God. Uh, he's the potter, we're the clay. I'm not the potter. I'm a, a piece of clay, and so are you. Listen, our culture needs fixing, and we know that. And God is the one who will do that fixing. We have a sin problem, and it's something that only Jesus can fix. Maybe you're watching today, and maybe you're thinking about that, and you're thinking, do we really have a sin problem? Well, we have a sin problem when you think, that uh, uh, abortion is a good thing and people who want to go against abortion are intolerant people. Some people who are watching, well, maybe they're watching, 
say, well, I think I'll be a man today and I'll be a woman tomorrow. And then who knows what I'll be next week. They've believed this and they've put this in their mind and it's, it's the, 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 the culture is trying to make that an everyday life thing. I'm a man, you're a man or a woman watching. If you don't know that you are, uh, next time you shower, go look in front of the mirror. It'll tell you what you are. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know, it will tell you. That's it. God created men and he created women. I'm not going to get off on that. But he is the potter, we are the clay. And the only way hardened hearts are going to change is if God changes them. Now look at what it says in, in verse 41 and through 43. John 12, 41 through 43. Isaiah said because, of, uh, because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him, yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for the fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They loved human praise more than praise from God. There's brothers and sisters in Christ, people who are even preachers, who have certain things that they won't talk about, biblical things, because they like human praise more than praising from God. That's sad. Here's a Bible verse that you know by heart. It's from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now just go over a few verses, because we usually stop there. It says this in verse 19 and 20. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed i don't think it gets much clearer than that jesus is the light and all of a sudden he comes into the world, and now uh, people see who they really are. Light energizes. If you cut off life, uh, light, you're dead. The things can't live without the light, right? We know that the sun and the uh, you know uh, the light is important, right? Light is a life giver, and a life exposed. To not exposed to the light is in darkness, and darkness is a killer. So, 
So people stood in mass because even though they seen the work of Christ, they knew his teaching. Together they stood together and even the Pharisees were the religious leaders of those days did not support what Jesus was saying. Uh, Jesus comes to the disciples now and he has a question for them and we know this already because we've all read this before, but it comes to us in Luke 9.19. Jesus says, Who do people say that I am? Luke 9.19. They replied, Some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, and still others, um, that one of the prophets long ago has come back to life. Now in verse 20, Jesus turns to Peter and says, how about you? Who do you say that I am? Verse 20, what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus says, Jesus says, for now, don't tell anybody this. So here we go. It's not the time yet. Uh, Luke 22, 9:22. He said, "The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life." And then Jesus goes on in verse 25, 23 through 25. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose or forfeit their very self? Here's something that happens all the time. We like the part that says, through fulfillment in life comes Jesus. That we like that, that fulfillment in life comes through Jesus. We're not so crazy about the part that says, take up your cross and follow me. You get what I'm saying? We want the, we want the good stuff. We don't want the other parts that we have to do something. Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. Am I supposed to say that and mean it? But what if his will is different than mine? See, Jesus is talking about following him completely, not just the parts you're okay with. Go down to verse uh, 59, Luke 9, 59 and 60. He said, uh, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now another person in verse 61, 62 comes up and says, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back 
is fit for serving in the kingdom of God. Here's what I want to get at. Jesus is not against uh, burying dead people. He's not against that. The guy whose father uh, says, let me go back and do that. father wasn't dead yet. So what he's saying is, let me go live out my father's life with him and then die. I'll bury him and I'll come and, and do this. So he, he had to do that because he wants to gain the inheritance from his father. He needed to be there. So in other words, the guy's saying, well, I, I'll follow you, but let me get my business done here. And aren't we all guilty of that? Well, Lord, I, I will do what you want me to do, but let me do this first. I've got to get this done first. Look at what it says, because in, in John chapter 2, verse 11, the solution comes to us to this business of following man instead of following God, peer pressure, the mistake of putting my faith in others rather than God. It comes to us in John chapter 2, verse 11. What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which we believe we revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. They believed in him. The first thing we have to do is this. One, we have to believe in him. There is a story in John chapter 11 about the miracle of, of uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. We know that story, right? Uh, he was so close. Jesus was such a good friend to Lazarus and, and Lazarus' sisters. The sisters sent word to Jesus during that time that uh, when he was on the road, hey, you need to come back right now. Lord, drop everything because the one you love is very sick, Lazarus, very sick. He's, you know, he's dying. Come quickly. And uh, um, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, do you think Jesus dropped everything and took off and headed that way? He sent a messenger back. I, I, I'll be there. And then he stayed where he was for two more days. Uh, John eleven fifteen. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Lazarus had died. And he says, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you might believe. You see, the, the, the rest of that story is that Jesus is about to go there afterwards and um, the sisters are going to be upset with him because he didn't do what they expected him to do. You ever get mad at Jesus because he doesn't do what you expected him to do? Uh, so that's what happened. And so now Jesus says, roll away the stone. Well, Jesus, maybe you don't get it, but he's already been dead for two days. He's going to stink really bad. Move the stone away. And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. There were people there who 
believed in him in a minute. But there were others, even though they witnessed that, they went to the high priests. They went back and they went and they reported him for doing that. Listen, mistake number five is allowing peer pressure or what man thinks to dictate what you know is true concerning God. If you don't believe, because it's not popular, the answer is simple. Come to Christ and repent in faith and use your faith. If you believe in him, you will have eternal life in him. And there's no other way. Look, I hope you got something out of this tonight. I know I did. But God is on the move. And he's wanting his people to be focused on him and not what the world says. Will you do that today? Let's pray. Well, dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this night. We pray, Lord, as we as we uh, close our service, that you would help us to be people who put our trust in you and not in man. And that you would help us, Lord, to not care about what other people think, but to focus on what you think. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us tonight. See you Sunday. Don't miss it. It's going to be really good. Have a good one.